Welcome to Maximum Entropy Theater, a heat death of the universe joint. Tonight, we present a tale of erotic fan fiction and political simpery, sure to delight and raise you above the morass and into the brightly burning firmament. As our first entry into this series of black box theatrics of the mind, we give you Rosebud Garden, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Saki Bomb. Rosebud Garden 59 ejaculates weakly and incongruously lets loose a primal scream at the same moment that Jennifer Renee Saki finishes delivering yet another scathing and witty bon mot from behind the glassy surface of a television. His views on policy are essentially what you'd expect from a religious fundamentalist. They are more divisive than divine. Now, heavy lids occlude his comically crossed eyes a la Daniel Aykroyd receiving oral sexual services from some sort of phantom in a supernatural comedy hit movie circa 1984. As it happens, Rosebud Garden 59 wrote one of his best-received blog posts, 17 upvotes, zero downvotes, in the form of a deep, minute-by-minute analysis of the original Ghostbusters, in which he bravely used his privilege and carefully crafted and humble allyship to call out the myriad examples of sexism, racism, fat phobia. What other kind of statement is the presence of that giant marshmallow creature possibly supposed to be making? Homophobia, transphobia, anti-religious bigotry, anti-environmentalism, ableism, ageism, anti-bipocism, and a position on ghosts being otherized as non-committal and shaky at best. The film also fails to condemn Christopher Columbus, PewDiePie, Hamas, Vladimir Putin, or Putler as he loves to call him, Louis C.K., Harvey Weinstein, Bill Cosby, these last three all being exactly equally wretched and guilty of exactly the same crimes, zero room for gradations, and most egregiously fails to include even a whisper of a hint of a critique of Orange Mango 45 Drumpf Cheeto in Chief. It also fails to condemn the tobacco industry, which it practically does an advertisement for, what with all the cool masculine, William Murray the swaggering Marlboro man instances that make smoking look alluring rather than as a deadly scourge, which it very much is. Rosebud Garden 59 fully embraces the term keyboard warrior and refuses to accept it as a pejorative. And boy did he ever feel like the bravest, most badass keyboard warrior while writing his courageous and epic takedown of Ghostbusters 1984. He insists on mentioning the year so as to distinguish it from the exact same named reboot movie that some disgusting people on the so-called dirtbag left, fucking tankies, reductively and derisively referred to as, quote, Lady Ghostbusters. He, on the other hand, calls it Ghostbusters 2016 which he wrote an extremely positive review slash third-wave feminist analysis of as a follow-up to his beloved weblog post that single-handedly cancelled the contemptible 1984 version beyond all recognition. 
he found it especially brave and inclusive to obliquely, subtextually wink and nudge about the sapphic sexual orientation of actor Kate McKinnon as Dr. Gillian Holtz Holtzman. He calls her an actor because actress is a sexist, gynophobic, and toxic androphiliac term that otherizes and belittles our strong, empowered, and ruggedly individualistic female actors. He went on to praise the film for also having Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig portray intelligent and highly educated doctors of philosophy as well. Bitterly, he did find a single fault within the film, in that Leslie Jones' character, Patricia, Patty Tolan, the one woman of color amongst the four stars, did not have a doctorate of any kind. This seemed like a kind of racialized sociological violence or an extremely careless, trauma-raising oversight at minimum. Yet the film remains a brilliant allegory about the challenges faced by strong, independent women. The film was more body-positive, omni-inclusive, wraith-sympathetic, and far more racially diverse in its casting choices than the disgusting 1984 hate-fest. Another triumphant, and funny, aspect of the movie was the casting of Christopher Thor Hemsworth as a character to be treated as cinematically abusively as a woman typically is in most media. This character, who Rosebud Garden 59 intentionally leaves unnamed in his important monograph as a virtuous signal to, and gesture of solidarity with, all of the female characters who've been historically sidelined, unmemorably named, populating entertainments that fail the Bechdel test big time. In a genius level, a keto move to wildly and righteously flip the script as it were, Chris Thor was portrayed with the qualities long traditionally hoisted upon women for so long, being objectified via their attractive physical appearance, being completely aloof and obtuse. Of course, Rosebud Garden 59 would never use the hideous war crimes of words like ditzy or bimbo or even himbo. Being barely competent at their secretarial job, Administrative assistant is the less problematic nomenclature Rosebud Garden 59 would remark within these bravely sensitive and sensitively brave treatises, posted proudly at www.bloggywoggywordsmithing.rosebudgarden.net forward slash culture forward slash correcting the historical record. Beneath the banner, a picture of himself holding a gag monopoly go to jail card, modified to read, Donald, go directly to jail, as he's posed in front of a photoshopped U.S. Department of Justice sign. He's cleaning himself up as quickly as possible so as to not miss a single moment of Rachel Ann Maddow's platonically ideal TV show. He will not stroke himself during Ms. Maddow's remarkable political commentary. He only allows himself to masturbate to his one and only, the fiercely intelligent and uniquely strong and powerfully independent former press secretary for the Joseph, the most progressive president in U.S. history, Robinette Biden administration. He lets out what can only be described as a schoolgirlish sigh of longing, just imagining her commanding the press corps, bravely informing the nation of all the important news of the day 
not taking any shit from any Fox News or any other orange Julius Caesar drumpf-loving, toxically masculine, white cishet, white straight man. And then she turns from the cameras, and she smiles at him in slow motion. Me, he thinks? A lowly straight white male? Cishet white man? Albeit one with impeccable, yet humble allyship credentials. This straight white cis male who needs to sit down and just listen does indeed have her fiercely powerful and independently fierce attention. No, she's given it to him charitably. He can't just have it, possess it, bag and tag it. Grabbing her attention by the pussy like some knuckle-dragging president toupee loving piece of shit? No. He'll grovel so hard on his belly, splayed before her, demonstrate his alliedness in all its amazingly spectacular humility, all to drive home the unshakable fact that she is a proud, strong, confident, intelligent, fierce, powerful, morally upright, indelicious morsel of fuck hot. Fucking fuck. Jesus, silences the cacophony of naughty thoughts Tourette syndrome style. Ableist. Don't denigrate her by complimenting her physical appearance. What are you even? A card-carrying member of the patriarchy? Self-chastisement shifts gears into the carnal and lurid again. Oh my god, he thinks, as his loins continue to stir, and Jen, he calls her Jen now, sigh, begins to magically shed her cream-button-down maxi dress with sensible neutral pumps, which also dissipate under her spell. Her tastefully and consensually and self-determinedly exposed body slowly levitates and floats forward towards him, his mouth slackened and agape, hers curled into a lovely knowing smirk, as if she's about to take some goose-stepping drumfer to task for being problematic, sexist, republican, a tanky, a Ralph Nader, a racist, homophobic, intolerant, oh, holy fuck, tits, I mean, breasts, givers of life, so profound and beautiful in that way, they're so close, and their nipples too, is so hot, am I holding my dick right now? Welcome to the Rachel Maddow Show. He's violently shaken from his confusing and lustful reverie by the deeply ingrained Pavlovian response to the Rachel Maddow Show intro music. Tonight we ask, is Russiagate really over? Like, for real, for real? And later, we'll break down who has or has not condemned various villains and enemies of America. Right after this break, at 38 seconds into the show, Rosebud Garden 59 is again awash with televised commercials. 
and oceans of psychic semen roaring loudly and transforming the maelstrom into a word whispered into a tight close-up shot of lips to ear, a curtain of straight shoulder-length red hair flowing down along a finely tuned and pale jawline. Hashtag What will Rosebud Garden 59 get up to next? Will he find harmony between his exquisite wokely enlightenment and his desire to come on his favorite pundits' tits? I mean, breasts? I mean, autonomous bodies? I mean, their likenesses. Until next time, for Maximum Entropy Theater, keep fucking that sake. The first voice recording was made in 1860. It was a 10-second fragment of the French folk song Au Clair de la Lune recorded by inventor Edward Leon Scott de Martinville. But who will make the final voice recording and when? What will it be? Who will hear it?